online, on smart speakers and on Listen Again. This is Food FM. Welcome to Flavor Talks with Bella Zoo. I'm Robert Kirbishley. Bella Zoo's new podcast, Flavor Talks, is all about extraordinary and uncompromised flavor. We'll be chatting to our long-standing suppliers, creative chef customers, inspiring influencers, and some of the UK's leading food experts to share adventures and stories behind our favorite ingredients, giving you an insight into our world of food. This week on Flavor Talks, we're chatting to Easter Belfridge and Noor Murad, both of whom are cooks with a very strong Yotamotolenghi connection, both co-authors or authors of books, and both very good friends. We'll be talking about the pleasures and pitfalls of working in development kitchens and social media, how traveling has influenced their recipes, and whether or not opening a restaurant is the ultimate goal of working in a kitchen. Absolutely delighted to welcome Easter Belfridge and Noor Murad. Welcome. Hello. Hi there. Hi. So nice to be here. How are yeah. you? I'm very well. I just, just got back from Italy, so um, just got back from the sun and the sea. Oh, nice. Very, very nice. Yeah. Um, so, Easter, uh, you are a chef, a food writer, co-author, and now you're the author of... Is, it, this, is this your first solo book? And that's, with my pronunciation difficulties at the start of this, is it Mezcla? <laughs> yes, that, that's all correct so far. Although I wouldn't call myself a chef. I, I call myself a cook. I think a sh- calling myself a chef makes, me, makes it sound like I know how to do a lot of things that I definitely don't know how to do. <laughs> Okay, well, we'll call, we'll call you a cook then. How's that? And, uh, and Noor, um, so you are a are you a chef or a cook? Uh, yeah, I, I guess a bit of both. I mean, I also learn. I'm learning all the time. It depends. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm a I'm a chef cook. We need to find a different word. I think we do. I said a hybrid between the I'm two. A we'll shook. Try- We'll try and come up with something before the end of, of the podcast. So, Noor, is a, you're a, a chef cook uh, or a shook, and you're the head of Yotamotolenghi's <laughs> Test Kitchen and co-author yes. of, is it two books with, with Yotamotolenghi? Yes, the two Otolenghi Test Kitchen cookbooks. So, the Shelf Love that came out last year and Extra Good Things that's coming out in September. Fantastic. Okay, brilliant. So I've introduced you, but uh, I mean, obviously, I've given you a basis. But if Easter, if you would like to uh, just elaborate a little bit on the introduction about who you are and what you've been up to. Yeah, so uh, like you said, I used to work at the Ottolenghi Test Kitchen. I was very lucky to work with Noor and lots of other amazing uh, sh- chefs, cooks in the kitchen, in the test kitchen with Yotam. Um, I worked there for about four and a half years. And my background is that uh, my mum's Brazilian and my uh, dad's dad lived in Mexico and I grew up in Italy. So I kind of brought a lot of those flavours into the test kitchen. Not saying that they weren't there before, but um, yeah, I-, I love to use a lot of dried chilies and Brazilian ingredients that perhaps weren't as as much used in the test kitchen before. I think it was an amazing experience working in the test kitchen because you get to learn so much from amazing people from all over the world, like Noor. I mean, there are a lot of ingredients that I'd never heard of or cooked with before were introduced to me by Noor, like especially black limes, and uh, which I'm sure Noor can wax lyrical about. Um, but yeah, and now, like you said, I uh, I'm a, my first solo book is about to be published in, I think, two or three weeks i don't know when this oh, podcast wow. comes out so maybe it's oh already out <laughs> so exciting uh, oh yeah very exciting but Nora, as i as i'm sure you can relate it's, it's such a weird <laughs> process because slightly terrified we, are you <laughs> well terrified but also kind of yeah i hate the sight of it i mean not yeah, i don't know i know what you mean you're like i'm so over you, these you've, dishes you've been, exactly exactly you've been working on it for so long you've tested the recipes a million times you've proofread the manuscript a billion times you've edited it you've seen it all so many times that it actually kind of the sight of it makes you feel a bit sick yeah um, <laughs> Well, we can. I mean, we can move. On, we can move on to that. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna come on to uh, working in sort of test kitchens and doing development. Um, but uh, Noor, if you if you would like to uh, just give yourself uh, your own introduction, that would be great. So I head up the Alulengi Test Kitchen, and I've been working in food since I was sixteen. My dad initially was like. Oh, why are you doing this? And then, and then, <laughs> and then, and now he's like my biggest cheerleader. Um, oh. And uh, yeah, pom poms and all. And uh, I moved to London about five and a half years ago from Bahrain. 
where I grew up. My dad is from Bahrain. My mom is English, uh, although she might as well be Arab at this point because she's been there for like so long. And she's <laughs> she says Yalla and Habibi and all these things like all the time. Oh, I so, love that. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and um, yeah, and I started. I was like, I'm moving to London. I'm going to work at Ostalengi, uh, and then uh, and that's what I did. I, I applied for my. <laughs> from my uh, computer I sent an email from Bahrain and then I was very uh, surprised when I got a response and started working at uh, Adelangi Spitafields in the Delhi and then uh, to be honest I was at a point where I was kind of like I just wanted to leave food completely Mm. and then um, and then the test kitchen job came up and I was like what is this I get to like test recipes and you know and kind of be create all day and it sounds mm. like a really dream job and um and that's where I met Issa and we started working together and I was like oh my gosh she's so cool <laughs> <laughs> I wish I wish I could be this cool and the then, uh, and was then mutual. We, <laughs> and then we started um and Issa and I like we worked really well together because um we both uh, we both understood what it means to make a dish off the langi, but we also have very different approaches to food. And I think it was a really mm. great balance. And oh, I really miss you, man. Anyway, so and then, uh, <laughs> and uh, oh. yeah, and um, yeah, so and then obviously the OTK came to life. Like the test kitchen's always been around, but we decided to make it like a kind of like a, a sub brand within the Ontolengi. Uh, this creative hub and mm-hmm. we've really expanded since since the days where it was just Easter and I there's like now six chefs in total um, wow. oh my god I know it's so crazy, that is crazy. Um, <laughs> I know there's so much food oh my god but um and uh, <laughs> and we you know we have the, these these books coming out which I've co-authored um with with Yotam and yeah it's just really it's quite amazing to be around so much different talent like young younger talent um and in london is just there's so many people have so many different experiences and backgrounds and you're just constantly learning and i think when easter said you know that she doesn't set herself herself a chef more a cook and i think we can all relate to that because you never stop learning you're constantly mm-hmm. like oh i didn't know that and and it's such a great uh it's a great thing so. i mean you so you i mean you've basically both of you have just blown my first question out of the water because you've kind of, you've kind of covered it. Because my, my we question was, got, you, well, you, <laughs> you watch, you, you're clearly watching. Uh, so, I mean, it's, my first question was going to be, so how did you end up there? Where are you now? And, and where did you train? But I, I think the training is quite an interesting one because you're both self-professed, self-taught. Is that right? You, you've, you've literally learned on the job. I learned on the job, but I also went to culinary school. I, I studied in New York. Um, I always say, like, I'm really glad for my experience. But if I'm honest, like living in New York more gave me like life skills, <laughs> like how to be an outspoken <laughs> New Yorker um, more than it did. Like, and I think kitchen skills really came from working in kitchens. Uh, and that's the best school. Yeah, yeah I would agree. I mean, what? Let's okay. So let, let's ask the question. What What is Yotamatalengi like to work with? I'm, I'm not. I'm really. I'm obviously. The, we're not digging for dirt, but just, just, in, just. In, although, if you've got some, please feel free to share it. But just, but just like, I mean, has he? Um, how much of an influence is he, or has he been? I don't think anyone's really ever surprised to hear that Yotam is like an incredibly kind uh, and wonderful person he kind of just exudes that uh, even if you don't know him like you know on tv or mm-hmm. on the radio and yeah he is an extremely kind uh, and wise person and uh, i think he's done in in this in, i mean obviously uh, the way that people cook these days is greatly influenced by him you know his his flavors and colors his combinations you know the way he plates food um but also he's done in this industry something that like a lot of male chefs don't do which is you know bring, bring people up around him yeah i mean it, not not many chefs admit to having a test kitchen uh, or you know celebrate the people working in them and give them opportunities like he does so i think Nora and i have both been well I, I think I think we've been very lucky to have a boss like him. He's he's yeah. Yeah, I totally second everything Easter said. Like he is a very uh, he's like a gentle giant. I feel. Like, yeah. I mean, I say that because really I'm is. five two and he's like six three, so I I always feel very short with <laughs> him. But um, <laughs> but uh, he really is like such a kind yeah. person. And he the thing about working at Ottolenghi is they don't like you're especially at the test kitchen. You're not asked to fit into Ottolenghi. Ottolenghi creates room for you um so and 
and yeah, and it really embraces all the different styles and tastes uh, that people bring to the table. And and in the same time, you get to also learn and expand and grow. And 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 Young Sam, just like you said, he really does um, create room and space uh, for people to grow. Mm. I mean, it's it's for an industry that is renowned for its egotism and uh, and it's machismo um it, it, i mean it, it's it's lovely to hear and i think there's from the interviews that we've done uh, it would seem that there's a, there's a very definite movement away from that kind of negative image of, of of kitchens yeah i mean but i mean how much of an influence has he had on plant-based eating in the uk do you think oh my god i mean yeah. so much <laughs> so much <laughs> I, I think listen yeah the thing is like I, sometimes people say, think that oh, Otelangi is vegetarian, but I don't know. Like we we never have actually said that, have we? You said like at, at work. No, I think like yeah, I think because Yotam started with his Guardian column called, and it, the Guardian column was called the New Vegetarian. People just assumed yeah. that he was vegetarian, um, and because you know he celebrates vegetables and he's kind of like a, a wizard when it comes to vegetables, mm. so people just assumed that he was and. He, I, he, he's, I think, kind of been spending the last fifteen years trying to, trying to correct people and be, be, very, be very honest and upfront about, you know, in the intro, in the introduction of flavors, like I am not vegetarian and I'm not, you know, I'm not preaching a, a vegetarian lifestyle. I'm just telling everyone that vegetables are incredible and you should eat more of them. So I wouldn't say that. Yeah. I, I would I would kind of maybe rephrase. I wouldn't say that Yotam has influenced plant based cooking because. I mean, he's not plant-based. He's a, very much an omnivore. Um, yeah. I think what he has done is just help people realize how incredible vegetable, vegetables are, their potential. Um, and, you know, and in doing so, people end up eating less meat and fish, which is, I guess, what we all need to be doing. But, um, mm. he, you know, he's very much for the omnivorous lifestyle but with you know with a heavy emphasis on on veg but i yeah. think that's the, that's the thing i mean whether it be by design i suspect it wasn't by design because <laughs> uh, you've already kind of alluded to that or or just by accident i i think he he has sort of got people hooked on this plant-based eating and then people yeah. going oh actually you can have meat with this this is oh this is great you know i can <laughs> i can still yeah. have these i can still have chicken i can still have lamb i can still have mm. this um, but but he has. I mean, he, clearly he's had an, a, an absolutely huge huge influence. And I mean, and and again, he's also had a huge influence on on young chefs. And as you've already said, mm. that um, he 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 likes to build teams around him and 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 share. I hate the word the glory, but but certainly um, share the, the 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 hard work and and the, the adulation. What would you call it? The the, the respect. Yeah, I mean, I think he often says that that's what he's most proud of uh, I, in interviews, and I know also in the introduction to Flavor and in the introduction to um, I'm sure in, to OTK and other, his other books. He always says what he's most proud of <coughs> is actually the teams that he creates and the people that he 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 brings to Ottolenghi because that's what that's what makes Ottolenghi and that's what makes the recipes. And he yeah he he says that all the time. That's mm. kind of what he is proudest of. Which is really nice yeah. to be a part of that team. No, it's it's it, it's great, and and I, I think you're going to find more and more of that because it, it's it, as as the theme that keeps coming back in these podcasts is that working in a kitchen is incredibly hard work, and and, yep. and you have to have fun, you have to love what you're doing, and if somebody's you know stripping away that joy all the time, uh, you, you're not going to create you're not going to create a great atmosphere, and you're not going to create great food. It's I mean. Mm. I mean, I think that that's again is something that I've learned through through doing the podcast. Um, we're going to move away from plant-based eating after this one question because um, it, and I know I do re I do realise that you're um, that you are sort of omnivorous um, uh, cooks and chefs. But um, I mean, do you do you think because let's let's be honest, the UK have, um, has been um, a sort of meat and two veg country for a long, 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 long time. And it's very hard. You cannot change uh, that kind of eating culture overnight. And, you know, we've had other issues. We've um, really are not our appetites, but our, but, but, but our desire for different types of food has only really been sort of growing since the 90s. But do you think this, this movement of, of making, I'm gonna, I'll move away from plant-based, but say uh, making the vegetable the star, do you think it's here to stay, that it's um, not faddy? 
Yeah, definitely. I think it's definitely, look, I didn't grow up in the UK, but I understand the whole like meat and starch life because the Middle East is all about the lamb and the rice, uh, you know, uh, so, <laughs> um, but like, uh, I, it's just, I think people have also realized how freaking good vegetables taste yeah. and how you can make them really taste tasty. Like literally I put, I know I'm, I'm Middle Eastern, but like literally I put that on like every salad because I love it so much. It's so good. And just like a small touches here and there can really make your vegetables sing. And I, I think people also realizing that it's, it's also so much more um, economical, it's cheaper, mm -hmm. and it's so much more better for the environment, like there's so and better for your health. So it's like win, win, win. Like, why would yeah. you not eat more veg, really? Yeah, I, I, I think that's, uh, that it's entrenched in this country. I think it's in, in lots of other countries. I'm not saying we don't eat them um, in the UK, but there's, there's definitely a a bias towards you must have protein in a meat form on your plate at every single meal uh, and I, I do I agree with you I think it is I think it is changing and I think it is going to stay I mean you so you've already said you've you've both traveled a lot and there's an awful lot of influences in in your cooking um, and there's an awful lot to unpack there but uh, we'll start with let's start with Noor. Um, do you do you I mean do you have to adapt your recipes a lot do you do you have to really think hard about how to adapt or do you just sort of put down straight what's in your head that that's that's come from from your background i think that recipe development is it, you cut you have an idea whether or not that idea is going to be a successful one is yet to be seen <laughs> like you just have to like keep trying but i generally always pull from my culture and my background like um i you know Bahrain people always think of Middle Eastern food and they think of like hummus and falafel which is great like that's that's cool but like that's not the whole of the Middle East it's so small and there's other parts mm -hmm. that eat so differently to that people don't know about and that's uh like the Gulf countries where I come from mm -hmm. a lot of our food is influenced by Persia and India and these are these 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 these, these flavors are what uh come to 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 my table and what I really kind of draw from um but you know you generally i i'll just come up with an idea based on maybe something i've seen or maybe like oh i really we need to do something something with swiss chart like what well, you know and then you just you just try it like you just try it out and then sometimes it's like a massive fail you still know well no i don't think i've ever eaten anything of yours that's a massive fail i think <laughs> i think i think that's no. untrue every i've never eaten anything of yours that wasn't completely delicious even on the first go yeah. so i think there's some white lies there <laughs> no okay sometimes but i think we are like when was the last time you made something like... that wasn't delicious <laughs> okay, honestly, you know what happened? Remember that time you tried to make a whole big Swede and it like it was like oh it gosh. just didn't work. Okay, yeah. so then like the idea came up again, and I tried to continue. No. Like, let me just tell you how much I hate Swede now because of this freaking whole big Swede. Oh like, anyway, so that was a disaster. So I feel like I need to hand over the baton to someone else now. <laughs> I mean, I guess whole big Swede just is is just a no go. It takes forever. It takes forever, and then it tastes like nothingness. We've tried everything with this sweet. I mean, it's, I don't know what you did to it, but I literally... Okay, first I tried whole, whole baking it, five hours. Oh. It's still not freaking baked. Then I tried brining it. Then I tried blanching it and then roasting it, and then I tried blanching it in the brine. There were so many things I tried. So Is this you know, all trying to keep it whole? Trying to keep this freaking thing whole, and then, yeah, and then I mean, in the I end, think... I... I I think more often than not, when we try to keep things whole, it's not actually ever going to be as oh. good as when you just, you know, cut it into you quarters it or half it, you know? Yeah. Because you just exactly. sometimes need that surface area for caramelization. And like, exactly. as, as fun as it might look whole and like, oh, this looks like a ham or a whatever. It um, looks like a ham. <laughs> it's still probably going to be nicer if you, you know, quarter it or cut it into steaks and like. Or ate a ham. And also we've got this, you know, the, 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 we've got this whole energy problem now. So cooking things mm. for five hours in the oven is, I don't think those kind of recipes yeah. are going to be very well received anymore. 
Not just um, no, not yeah, at the moment. And, and can not. I can I just clarify that wasn't the same Swede you were trying to cook the same way. It was different Swedes that you were trying in different ways. <laughs> there was a two-year gap between the first Swede <laughs> attempt and the second one. <laughs> but while we're on the subject of Swede, I just want to talk about. Uh, so Nor uh, actually developed some of the recipes for flavor, some and some incredible recipes. One of which is some Swede gnocchi, which are incredible so if anyone Aww. listening has flavor <laughs> they should totally make Nor's Swede gnocchi because that is a, that is a sweet a knockout Swede recipe and that's what yeah well, that's Aww, one thank that, you <laughs> it's one that well, definitely that, no, worked that's huh? where I peaked and that was <laughs> yeah. I peaked <laughs> I don't and believe that off, I'm done <laughs> I don't believe that for a second I mean one of the caveats I had to that question which I I, I, I uh, was hidden away um, I was kind of saying I would, it was so in, in terms of adapting recipes, um, it wasn't necessarily from an ingredient perspective, but kind of culturally, sort of how we eat over here, sort of who we eat with and when. I mean, does does the, do you do you even think about that when you're when you're developing recipes? I mean, I think it, it, that really depends on the the theme that you're going for. I, there's people often ask us, you know, how do you come up with a recipe? And there's no one way to come up with a recipe. It's either, you know, sometimes mm. it's a theme for a seasonal vegetable. Sometimes you're literally trying to make a recipe out of four things in the fridge on a Friday. Sometimes you've been to a restaurant and you were incredibly inspired by something. Sometimes you dreamt about something. And it's the same with the occasion that you're developing a recipe for. Like, you know, sometimes we might be creating like a summer barbecue spread, in which case, you know, we're going for big sharing platters. Sometimes we're going for, you know, cooking for singles or mm -hmm. cooking for one. So I think that full process certainly does come into it, but um, but it just depends. There's no one way of, of coming up with an idea for a recipe or a theme or, or the way it should be eaten. Lately, I feel like we've been adapting our recipes, especially at the test kitchen, like more to like what's going on in the world and life. Mm -hmm. uh, just like yeah. Easter pointed out about like the whole energy thing. We think about, okay, people don't want to have their ovens on for that long. Um, <clears throat> you know, sunflower oil is like, oh my God, all of our recipes had sunflower oil in. Like, what are we going to do now? And, and all these things. And it's almost like, we're reacting to actually what's happening in the world um, more so than anything else. So that's having, I mean, these, I knew you weren't being uh, flippant. I, I, did, I did get that, but, but these are considerations you're definitely taking into account. You, you, for, for the time being, at least, um, sort of long cooked recipes for you are a no-no simply because of uh, power uh, prices. Yeah, definitely. I, f right. I feel like because yeah. it, uh, Mezcla took such a long time to develop and I started the process you know over a year ago sometimes I look at the recipe and I'm like oh my god I wouldn't have done it that way uh, had I known mm. about you know the doom and gloom that we are about to experience um, and well, certainly recipes from flavor I mean there are so many recipes where you need to roast beetroots for four hours before you can <laughs> you know even start to think about the rest of the recipe mm. or, or you know slow roast celeriac for four hours or you know, slow cook, not in flavor, yeah. but in one of my, in one of my recipes that, you know, there's a, a beef that's slow cooked for five hours. Like, oh my God, really? No one's going to do that anymore. <laughs> no. It's... Yeah. I, I feel the same way with extra good things. Like, you know, yeah. just like Easter, our recipes were done a very long time ago. So, and the book was shot last September, like, you know, yeah. and there's no changing it now. Uh, but yeah. you do look back and you think, uh, does this apply to our world today? Yeah, I think people assume when a book comes out or when a recipe comes out that 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 we came up with it like a week ago or something, um, or that it, you know that it's. But often, especially with recipe books, uh, that idea was is like a year and a half or two years old, uh, because mm -hmm. it takes such a long time to make a book. It's a huge undertaking, a, a very long process, yeah. and I think people don't really realize that. That is a huge mm. amount. So, so, so nearly so two years to, to write the book. Well, I mean, sort of, no, I mean, Mezcla, I started in last March and it took me until October, uh, until September, uh, October. But some of those ideas were, you know, much older than that. And then, yeah. you know, it's, mm. it's not coming out till July. So that's a year and a half plus, you know, a few months of recipe idea conception. And with the, uh, with things in the test kitchen, I think because there's a bigger team now, th I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Lord, but thing, you're quicker, much quicker with things and the turnaround is much quicker. Like 
I, it's incredible how quickly you've got the two OTK books out. But I think in the past, the Ottolenghi books have been uh, often have been a collection of some much older recipes. Uh, but yeah, so it, I think that is that is something that people don't realize that how long it takes uh, for something to be made and for it to come out. So when you know when these recipes are out in the world, they're for us they're they're they're, they're old news. They're old. Kind of, they're kind old of have news. To pretend. <laughs> They're new and shiny and bright and wonderful. And of course, I, I'm, I think we're probably our own harshest critics and they probably are actually really yeah. delicious. But um, sometimes you just look at it and think, oh my God, I wouldn't have done that. And that seems like such a bad idea in hindsight. But anyway. Yeah, but, it, but that, I mean, that, that, I think that's like a lot of things. I mean, it, whether you be a, a sort of playwright, songwriter, screenwriter, the, 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 there's always going to be... When you look back, there's always going to be a different way of expressing it. But but yeah, the, the fact is, you have to put something down on paper and you have to release it. I mean, is, yeah. is there any pressure from from the? Do the publishers understand? I would hope they do. Do they understand, or, or are they sort of chasing you all the time for when's the book going to be coming out? When you're doing the pictures? Well, I mean, it's all very well planned ahead. Uh, yeah, so you, yeah, you have, yeah. You have this amount of time to write the recipies. Then the photo shoot is going to be yes. then, and then we have this amount of time to proof and edit it. Yeah, you have you have the date it's, it's like it's quite i mean the publishers rigorous. are yeah, yeah they are they are very like organized but in, in the end they're also working to the book's best interests and mm, yeah. uh, they want it to be the best it can be so they will help as much as possible for you to meet those deadlines but it is strange to be to, to still be i mean i hope that books cookbooks remain a, a staple for a very very long time because i think they're they're wonderful but it is weird to write a cookbook alongside doing things that are more instant like you know but the publishers um, and people in general trying to convince us to to make reels or to go on tiktok and to make things that are instant um, <laughs> when at the same time we're creating something that is is physical and takes a very long time it's it's a bit of a weird juxtaposition for me like i'm still i still haven't been convinced to get onto tiktok and i i just oh, it just takes so Please long to, to, yeah. to to you know I don't think people realize how long it takes to 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 record a video, then edit it, and then you know to to have something that lasts however long a TikTok is. I don't know, thirty seconds. So Easter, I am officially freaked out now because my next question was all about social media. So oh. so now so, <laughs> so I'm starting to be convinced that you have got a camera somewhere. Um, so so well, let, let, let's just I mean let's just we've got, I've got a couple of questions where I'll, I'll try and come back to, but as soon as uh -huh. we're here. I mean, what influence has uh, social media had on food? I mean, you, you've just said, Easter, you're not on TikTok, um, but you are on Instagram. Uh, Noor, you are on Instagram. You're both in the hundreds of thousands of followers. Um, what, what, so what influence has it had, do you think? Uh, I, I do like Instagram to a certain extent, um, and I think that it has done a lot to connect people and to, you know, to, to be able to share ideas. But I'm very, very wary of going anywhere past that. And I'm constantly trying, being convinced to, you know, do this to up my following or do this to go viral or do this. And I'm like, you know, I don't, I don't want to. I'm perfectly happy gaining a, a slow following by doing what feels genuine to me rather yeah. than, I mean, I'm not, I don't think ever, I think there's a space for everyone. And, you know, some people are making amazing reels and videos all the time and that's, that's great for them, but that doesn't mean that we all have to be doing it. Um, and I, I think it's quite important not to be, not to feel forced to, to do things that don't feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. And for me, Instagram is more than enough. Like, like I said, it is, it is, a, it has many positives. Um, and I've met a lot of incredible people of Instagram. I've learned a lot. But I'm also very wary of the fact that I don't want to be, you know, posting videos all the time, and I don't want to be on it all the time because it is slightly unhealthy. Um, and and yeah. one one app for me is more than enough. The idea of having like TikTok and uh, Twitter and you know all these other food-based apps that are popping up. I mean, that just mm. blows my mind. I have a love-hate relationship with Instagram. I think, yeah. uh, as Issa said, like there's a lot of positives that have come out of it. Um, definitely, especially, I think, maybe over lockdown, we were able to share a lot of uh, recipes and things like that. And um, it's a platform at the end of the day, and it mm. gives you a voice. But at the same time, I I kind of feel like this just, it's, it's very overstimulating. 
um it's like it's like crack you know that's what social media you just get so you just like and you just take it all in and scroll and scroll and it's it's like can our minds really actually like i don't know if evolutionary perspective could we even like keep up with the rate that we're just taking in these short reels these short videos and i find it like you know and now there's like this theme of like videos that are like very like asmr and lots of like mm. sounds and a wax and like intense music and and for me i'm like this is not actually what cooking really is about like yeah, cooking it makes is me feel like really uncomfortable <laughs> yeah it's like you're connect you're losing that connection of like making something with your hands like nurturing yourself your your family your friends like bringing mm. people together and being present at a table and not being on your phone to film in like and uh, yeah. for me i just i feel like we've completely lost that and and um i i i find it too much i don't find it realistic um yeah uh, but at the same time i understand that this is the way the world is moving and uh, if you don't move with it you almost get lost um so yeah i think to 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 dip your fing- have your fingers and toes in but not to be too consumed with it is a good balance it's really interesting because i mean you know alice who i normally work with she i mean she's obviously mm-hmm. on maternity leave now so fern um, has kind of very kindly stepped in and, and what we do is we we sort of we spend a few hours sort of bouncing around questions and themes and stuff and and fern's very into social media and and so so this was a and, and because you've got pretty big profiles a pair of you it, it this this kind of naturally popped up but there was a time when chefs kind of hid in the kitchen your recipes were guarded protected and and uh, there was a, a rather well-known comic whose name eludes me who basically said why do i want to go and do tv when i can tour the material i come up with for two years but if i go once on tv that's it i then have to go back to to the you know to the drawing board and and mm. and, and start again and i and i kind of I had that suspicion, but you've kind of confirmed that that social media is the same. It, it it's very instant, but the but the amount of uh, effort you have to put in to create that instant content is huge. It 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 really is huge, and because because it's all free for the consumer, you know, Instagram, these videos and these recipes are are there for free essentially. People begin to expect a lot from you, um, and mm. it can. It, sometimes can get a bit demanding and a bit rude you know sometimes yeah. you'll post a, a picture of a recipe you you've been developing and, and people will literally just comment on it saying recipe question mark you know not even like oh that looks yeah. great um is there a recipe or, <laughs> just, or they, they, they will like why post the photo why post the yeah, photo without the recipe? exactly like, uh, they'll like, dm you saying i can't find the recipe or just like recipe question mark and it's like i don't work for you you know this is um and i think people have just become too used to getting instant sort of gratification from these 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 recipe videos that actually they don't realize take the maker a really 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 long time to make a lot of time a lot of effort um you know either editing it yourself which takes hours i tried to edit edit a video by myself for the first time the other day and i almost my phone crashed and i almost lost my mind um you know otherwise you have to pay hundreds of pounds to someone to edit it you know it's not it's People don't realize how much work goes into it and they just expect mm. this sort of free content from you. And I find that a bit, a bit disturbing. <laughs> yeah. No, you, you, you feel the same way about that? I love books. Like I love cookbooks. And if, yeah. if the world moved away from cookbooks, I'd be out of a job. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like I, and I think um, what we do in, in creating food and like creating connection for me and it has so much meaning um, through the cookbooks and through through sharing the recipes and what we do in print. I, and I don't want it to ever lose that. You know, I do think that there are some benefits to content creation. I, I feel like it, it is it is really very too, it's too much. And sometimes yeah. even when I want to get, um, if I want to ever think of recipe ideas, I will not touch social media. I will not go near it because I don't want to be, I want to be inspired by a, something that came from my from my upbringing or something I ate at a restaurant that was like oh my god I really appreciate the chef that like created this in the back and 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 worked so hard for it and worked crazy hours I don't want it to be from a video I saw on Instagram like Mm. so yeah I just I I do kind of at the moment have been trying to just kind of yeah not not be on it so much if I'm honest no I mean it's quite ephemeral isn't it I mean that's that's the problem is it, mm. it just it just moves on so quickly and and it's it's like 
everything, uh, news, TV, even down to the editing of a TV program, uh, which, you know, the shots are so quick. If you compare it to something sort of 15, 20 years ago, every, mm. it, everyone's being encouraged not to, if you like, not to concentrate, that they, they get bored. Mm. But, so, I mean, the question I've got written down here is, do you think, therefore, it's a distraction for restaurants or, or does it reinforce? I mean, I know you don't, both currently work in a restaurant but just on that on that note is it a distraction for restaurants or does it reinforce them or is it a relationship that's evolving and that you because it, it sounds to me like it's evolving that you're kind of doing it but you are understandably kind of wary of it so uh, which which one I, of those i think it depends i mean if it's for a re if you social media for a restaurant i think can be very beneficial you know to for, for the for the diner or the customer to be able to see what's going on in the background, where the produce comes from, who the chefs that are cooking your meals are. I mean, I think that's a wonderful thing. And in that sense, Instagram is amazing as sort of a, a you know, free advertisement kind of platform. Um, yeah. But I think it's very different when you're like a, a creator or a developer like Nora and I are rather than, you know, a public facing restaurant. But no, I'd certainly think that Instagram and social media can be used mm. in a very good way as, as advertisement and to get like a, a view of, of what's happening behind the scenes for sure. Yeah, we've, we, we've definitely become very, a very visual culture, right? We need to see, see it to believe it almost. So mm -hmm. I feel like, um, yeah, little like snippets into restaurant life. And also I think pushing the chefs forward, like um, yeah. little chef profiles, people behind the scenes that, that you would never usually see when you come to sit down. You know, you come sit oh. down, you think of, you look at the menu, you think about the food. You don't think about the guys in the back who are just, you know, really working such Plugging crazy hours to make this beautiful food. Yeah, so I think in, 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 a, in a way that a lot of restaurants are putting pushing chefs forward. And I think it, it adds to a job that is very hard. It, it adds a sense of pride and gratification mm. for, for the workers themselves and the chefs who are, are behind the scenes. Definitely. Mm. You've already sort of touched upon this, but has it made people more critical of... <laughs> I know what the answer to this is already. Has it made more people <laughs> critical of recipes, presentation and price? Has it, I mean, does it make everyone a know-all? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought so. Yeah, Moving I, on. I, yeah. I think in general, <laughs> our Instagrams, you know, are, are positive places where people say nice things about what we do. But there, every now and then, there are people who really uh, maybe have a little bit too much time on their hands and are not <laughs> necessarily very kind. Actually, Nora and I's favorite. This isn't to do with social media, really. But uh, Nora and I's favorite thing to do every now and then would be to to read the comments on the, our Guardian recipes, which right. really is a, a great source of entertainment sometimes because <laughs> people really go in and people get you know very upset about what they think you've done wrong or or you know or they think your flavor combinations are weird or and you know and they'll go and write a paragraph yeah. about how that there's no way that that would work or that would taste good even though they clearly haven't made it um, yeah, I was there was like a canopy was it a canopy column or like small bites column I don't know what it was and then someone wrote in the comments like uh, uh like canopy I just get a cocktail stick a bit of ham a bit of cheese that's it I'm done <laughs> yeah <laughs> I don't know, yeah. why are you here then? <laughs> People have too much time on their hands, I yeah. think. They, they, they really do. Um, I mean, uh, you, you've already answered this question. You, I, I don't think either of you are pursuing a career in, in social media. Um, but is there a desire to put down culinary roots? Do you, I mean, would you both like to open a restaurant or are you very happy kind of doing what you're doing now? I, honestly, I have never wanted to open a restaurant. It's never been on my... Uh, things that I've wanted to do because for me um, I've worked in restaurants for so many years um, and then it wasn't until I started working in test kitchen that I felt like uh, I found my place really in in the industry because I was able to create and write and do the things that I actually love to get people to cook and that was my why like I found my reason for doing what I do 
you know, sharing recipes with people and getting them to do them at home. And, and that really brought me so much joy. So to open up a restaurant has never really been something I've, I've wanted to do. Uh, yeah, I'm on the same page as Noor. That's never been on the agenda. In fact, when people ask, ask me that question very often, and I always say, you literally could not pay me to open a restaurant. <laughs> Um, okay. No, we'll try then. Having worked on on the other side, um, it's just too much responsibility. Too much can go wrong. Too much stress. And mm. um, as Nor said, I would also agree that when I started recipe development, developing, I I I felt you know this is what I'm meant to be doing. This this feels right. Yeah. Um, and I think yeah. it should be said. And I think I'm not sure if it was the same with Nor, but for me certainly when I was told about the test kitchen I literally had no idea that it existed I yeah, had no idea, I had no idea that recipe development was a job I was I was um, I think like Noor said previously I was on the verge of uh, of quitting I I couldn't handle uh, restaurant chef life it was you know I wasn't sleeping properly I was depressed I was very unhealthy uh, I it was just you know it was not it was not for me mm. and I was on the verge of quitting when I was told about this sort of magical unicorn job um and I just I had no idea that recipe development was a thing I had no idea the test kitchen existed but I can't really imagine doing anything else now although having said that I do want to move away from recipe development at some point in the next few years simply because testing recipes all day every day actually kind of takes the joy out of cooking and I, I miss cooking yeah. so much nor I know you feel the same way that yeah, we, we, never re- we never, you know, we never really get to cook for pleasure. I mean, obviously, our job, as jobs go, is is wonderful. But mm. coming, you know, we obviously do what we do because we love to cook. But then the catch twenty two is that we then end up cooking all day, every day for pleasure. Uh, sorry, for for work, yeah. and don't actually have any time to cook for pleasure. So I think yeah. I'll always work in food, and uh, but I think eventually I'd like to get into sort of food charity work and that kind of thing, so I can actually stop cooking every day (laughs) and then actually cook uh, for the joy of it which I really miss doing. I have to say personally I think that's really refreshing to hear because I think there is this and I'm not having a go at anybody who wants to open a restaurant but I know please keep on doing that everyone I love going yeah 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 (laughs) yeah yeah, we love going to them (laughs) but but there is there but there is there's there's a there's a there's a simple joy and, and it's always bothered me about how you balance that because clearly you come into cooking, the vast majority of people come into, into chefing or cooking uh, because they, they love it and they're good at it. But I know from personal experience, when you do something that you love doing, when you do it for a job, the extra stress and strain that, that brings you just saps. It's so hard to hang on to yeah. that, that, the heart of why you're doing it. So I have to say, both of you, I think, I think it's lovely that you're absolutely clear of mind uh, that you will never be opening a restaurant <laughs> of your own. I think yeah, that's brilliant. I, I, no. I, I think, um, like Ethan said, like it's so, when you do something that you love, sometimes hard to not fall out of love with what you do um, mm-hmm. at some point. I think for me and, and for Ethan too, uh, we both um, never want to fall out of love with food and cooking. Yeah. So sometimes it's important to kind of find a different way to work in food. And mm. the industry is so vast. It, it's not just one um, way. You just you become a chef, you open a restaurant. There's so many things you can do in food. You can be a food writer. You can mm. be a recipe developer. You can open a, a spice shop. You can, you know, whatever it is that you want to do. And you can still be attached to food. And I think it's important for anyone who's going into it and is young and wants it and is keen and loves food to find their place because there's room for everyone. Absolutely. There's, you can always do something with the skills that you acquire over your lifetime. I mean, it, it, I think they, what's the statistic that on average people have four different careers these days? Uh, <laughs> and, and nothing is ever wasted. No knowledge is, is, is ever wasted. Is there any food you refuse to have in your kitchen? <laughs> <laughs> um i don't have soy in my kitchen <laughs> you don't have what sorry soy, i don't i don't have like tofu and any soy based products because uh. okay but it's not because i don't like it it doesn't like me so you know the thing is like i don't know if other recipe developers eventually develop this but like i think tasting food so much you develop a certain intolerances to certain foods just don't agree with you 
So well, anything I don't have in my kitchen. Really... <laughs> yeah, I we think haven't this is something that we haven't touched on this, but Nora and I talk about this all the time. Um, yeah. <laughs> which is the, yeah, the fact, yeah, it's it's not good for you to be tasting all day. And we both have, I hope you don't no. mind me saying this, Nora, but we both have quite no. serious digestive issues because of what we do. Yeah. Um, and yeah. actually a lot of people in our position, a lot of chefs do. Um, but yeah, so when yeah. we work together, we pretty much spent all day talking about uh, about nutrition, our nutrition and, and digestive <laughs> yeah uh, anyway we we could probably do a whole podcast on that but, uh, <laughs> yeah 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 i don't want to dwell on that is that is that quite a common <laughs> is that quite a common no no just for, you know because it's, it's a it's a personal thing but is that quite a common thing amongst development uh, chefs that, that uh developing intolerances from constantly tasting little bits of food i i don't think it's with everyone if i'm honest i i think it really depends. Like I, dep- I think Easter and I are both. We we are a bit quite health conscious and very in tune mm. with our own bodies and how we're feeling, you know. But I think a lot of people. But that's just me saying in general. Maybe you, if you're not in tune with these things, you're never gonna know if mm. certain foods are making you feel bad because you're just like, oh, that's just how I feel. That's kind of how I feel about it. What do you think? I think that, well, I mean, I know that we both have some quite serious reactions to things and have had to go through periods where we, you know, we're not eating or sort of like spitting things or uh, being very careful Mm. about what we eat because otherwise we just feel sick all day. Um, But I would maybe, yeah, I, I, I would say that actually more people than you'd think I mean, a lot of chefs are very Mm. unhealthy because, well, because of the lifestyle, obviously Mm. not sleeping very well, Mm. working 60, 70 hour weeks, never having a proper meal at the right time. Yeah, no structure. No structure, exactly. And then with recipe development, that job involves tasting lots of different food all day. And, you know, there used to be, people used to be of the opinion that, you know, there was that that saying, uh, what was it, um, eat little and often or something like that, which I think people used to think was very healthy, but actually people mm. have, you know, doctors and scientists and nutritionists have realized re- lately that that's not good for you at all. And that is why actually, you know, early early man fasted a lot and, you know, went for a long period of time without mm. eating. And it's actually very important to have very, you know, breaks. <laughs> breaks yeah. and break. very important to have, you know, proper meals, at proper, you know, at the right time of the day. Um, yeah. And eating yeah. all the time and tasting all the time, even if it's just a little bit, is really not good for your digestive system. Like the more breaks you give your digestive system, the better it will work. So anyway, sorry, we've yeah. just oh, we went from you asking completely. You open the box. You open the Pandora's box. Exactly. <laughs> He's like, close it, close the door. And this, this, well, we'll, we will close it now. But this is why we do it. And I have to say, there have been times when I've walked into the Pembury kitchen, which is our uh, development kitchen. And either Henry or Danny who work in there, you can tell from their face they're going through a period of having to taste the same thing over oh and over yeah. again. And, and they do struggle. But Easter, you're not getting away. Is there any <laughs> food you refuse to have in your kitchen? Well, it's not refuse. Honestly, it's not about distaste, like Nor said. There are a lot of foods that I, I don't eat very often because I know they won't make me feel well. But there are okay. very many foods mm. that I don't, that I kind of hate. I mean, I'm not a massive fan of tarragon or preserved lemons but you know that's just the, the the things that I tend to not have in my kitchen that is usually because they're unhealthy and I try to I try to be healthy mm. a lot of the time because because I also indulge a lot of the time by tasting a lot and by going to restaurants so sorry for bringing it back to the box <laughs> no no it's absolutely fine um, so look the last one um again we've we've kind of touched upon this uh it's a very flippant question worst mistake you ever made in a kitchen and that can be a restaurant kitchen your own kitchen whatever mm. easter you go first oh that's a tough one um I mean, it wasn't a mistake, more of an accident. I think what, uh, I, once when I was working in the kitchen and I was not doing very well and my head chef was not very happy with me, I was on the dessert section and I made a tray full of, and I put about, I think, seven or eight different desserts on the tray uh, to carry to the lift. I think all of these tables had been waiting for their desserts for quite a long time because I was potentially not very good at what I was doing. Um, and uh, I had been yelled at a couple of times, and I anyway, I dropped, I dropped the tray, oh, no, and no. all you know, it all broke, and like the glass sort of like cut my legs, and I just it was just not a not a good time. Oh, no. That's a nightmare. <laughs> That's a, it was a bit no. of a nightmare. Oh uh, my god! And yeah. No. And I th- yeah. Go for it. 
<laughs> okay, well, when I was one was my first ever job, I was like 17. I was working at a catering company on the Formula One. Bahrain has a Formula One uh, racetrack, mm-hmm. and uh, we it was there were different car events, and this was like the V8 like Australian car race. I don't know. I was there for the food anyway. So anyway, so we were, uh, we were was doing like, we were doing like this buffet for the race, the, the race car drivers like to come in and have their meal or whatever. And they're all Australian. And my chef had this idea that we were like, I, we would food, feed Australians, Australian food uh, and decided to like bring, uh, do kangaroo skew- skewers. Okay. Oh I don't gosh. even ask uh, how they brought kangaroo to the middle East. I don't even know like how old this kangaroo was anyway. And, and, and crocodile and crocodile. And, and oh I was gosh. in charge and it was like cro- crocodile fish fingers, like deep white crocodile. And they had so like, they have this, I know, no, it's so crazy. Right. And they oh have this God. deep fry station and, uh, I wasn't much of a deep fryer and, I, and they're like, no, you're in charge of the deep fry crocodile station. And I was like, what? <laughs> anyway, I, um, and I basically set the freaking thing on fire and, and oh yeah. And, and, and um and they had to evacuate the premises <laughs> and oh I was my like, god ah! and then i was so mortified i went and hid in the bathroom <laughs> well, oh my god that is hilarious um, so well, well well that was a better question than i expected it to be that, that that's that's fantastic in in, uh, in in the spirit of uh sort of sharing I'll, I'll tell you the worst one i ever made um which was which was my own kitchen which was I got really excited. I was making um, fresh horseradish sauce for the very, very first time. And uh, and I peeled it and I chopped it up and I whizzed it up. And then I put my head over and I took the deepest oh. breath to have a smell. And I couldn't open my eyes for about half an hour. It was, <laughs> it was horrendous. It was, it's like it had been weaponized. It was like I'd been tear wow. gassed. It was oh awful. Gosh. So we all worried made- that you'd oh, never wow. see again. Uh, the, the, I mean, you know, I, I don't know if you've ever had anything in your eye where you actually, you shouldn't do yeah. this, I know, but mm. where you try to force your eyes open mm. and, and they don't, yeah. it was, it was like that for a good 15 minutes. That's so minutes. scary. It's um, very you scary. You never cook with horseradish now. <laughs> I haven't made it since, funnily enough. Thank you both so much. It's, it's been really enlightening speaking to you. And thank, thank you for taking the time out. Your day. You. You, both, you both must be very busy. But uh, I just want to say, so thank you to Easter Belfridge and to Noor Murad. Bye. Thank you both Bye. very much. Bye-bye. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please feel free to leave a rating and review. We'd really appreciate you taking the time to let us know what you think. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and LinkedIn, or go to bellazoo.com. Thank you very much for listening and hope you can join us next time. To find out more about Food FM and our content, go to foodfmradio.com.